Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Last week we talked about, uh, we're doing a unique uh, Christmas uh, kind of Advent series here. And so last week we talked about making a Christmas what? Does anybody remember? A Christmas list. Yeah, there you go. So we had a, a Christmas list tutorial, and so hopefully that was helpful. And in the program is the message notes, and there's also questions. So I'm, I'm trying to put questions in there for you all midweek, maybe uh, a Bible study or uh, with your family if you all do devotions. And so there's questions from last week, and there'll be questions from this week uh, for you to ask yourself and kind of reflect on, maybe do it in your group. Uh, but last week we talked about a Christmas list, Christmas list tutorial, if you will, and today we're going to talk about Christmas decor, a Christmas decor tutorial. How many decorated for Christmas this year? You decorated your house. How many did not decorate? All right, the altar is open. All right, for the, the few of you. Amen. Ooh. But uh, how many are the brightest, loudest, most obnoxious house on the block? We got one. Anybody else? We got two. Scott, anybody else? Not that many, huh? Not many. How many are like, I'm middle of the row? I'm middle of the row, you know, I'm enough for the kids to say, oh yeah, they like Christmas, you know, <laughs> that's about it as they're driving by. We did ours this year with a theme in mind, uh, the Middle River Mullet, that was our theme. <laughs> so like the front of our house is like garland and lights, red bows, white lights, uh, half of them don't work, that was my fault, um, so if you drive by, sorry. Uh, but uh, the back is colored lights around the deck with a big Santa camper blow-up thing. So it's business in the front, party in the back. So we got the, the Middle River mullet going on on our house. <laughs> it's, it definitely looks like it. But, um, you know, we try to do a little something extra every year. But I would say that, like, it's a good representation. People's houses are a good representation of, of, you know, what level of Christmas spirit you have. How many are enjoying that new Santa Claus series? Anybody? Really? Man, only one in the back. What series? One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time is The Santa Claus with Tim Allen, right? The classic one. Does anybody know what that is? You guys are looking at me like, Satan. <laughs> Satan Claus. <laughs> Man. Get in the spirit, folks. If you need something, see Miss Langham. How many are we in? How many movies? Over 28 movies. She has seen over 28 movies. I love it. Oh, man, you need to go to her house for a night and get in the Christmas spirit. But there's a new uh, TV series on Disney Plus that's being released after the Santa Claus. So it's Tim Allen. It's really good. Uh, it starts off really slow. The, don't judge the whole series by the first episode. We almost didn't, didn't keep going. We're like, this is stupid. And, man, it just gets better and better. And now they release one. I think it's on Fridays every week, and it's great. At the end of it, the cliffhanger. Uh, you know, not everything should be here's eight episodes and you binge them. You know, there needs to be the, you know, oh, we got to wait till next week. So anyway, get into that. Maybe if you haven't watched any Christmas movies, that's a good one to start with. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a reflection, your, your decor, your decorations. How many are real Christmas trees? I want a real Christmas tree. How many are fake Christ, Christmas trees? That's right. That was, you are my people. I can't handle it. I'm like three Zyrtex in, like with a real Christmas tree in our house. I can't even breathe. It's so bad. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on team fake tree. I would in fact like to have just the driftwood Christmas tree in my house. I would be totally happy with this. I think it's great. I love it. Um, yeah, no, no allergy problems right here. And it makes me think of warmer days. How many are ready for boating season? Anyone? Oh my goodness gracious. I'm ready for warm weather. How many like the cold? All right. I'll be praying for you too. Amen. (laughs) Christmas decor tutorial. So, uh, there are different origins of traditions that we hold dear. So in our notes, you'll find a website, history.com. Uh, be, there will uh, be a, a link in there, and you can go there and get some of uh, the resources that I'm reading today. But we'll go through a little bit of the history um, of maybe Christmas trees and some of the other things. So the history of Christmas trees goes back to uh, the symbolic use of evergreens in ancient Egypt and Rome and continues with the German tradition of candlelit Christmas trees first brought to America in the 1800s. Discover the history of the Christmas tree. From the earliest winter solstice celebrations to Queen Victoria's decorating habits and the annual lighting of the Rockefeller Center, uh, Rockefeller Center Christmas tree in New York City. Uh, so here's a few, a few facts uh, for all my people who don't like decorating. Uh, the sun god for many was sick during the winter days. Uh, during the winter, days were shorter because of this reason, because he was sick. Um, and some of these, right, they go back to ancient Egypt. So here you go. Egypt's god was Ra, the sun god. Uh, after winter solstice and the days began to turn, it was a sign that he was getting better. Evergreens were used in many different cultures as decor to remind them that winter would end at some point and things would grow again. So there you go. That's where the evergreen and using of the evergreens came from uh, with some of these traditions for the sun god being sick. Here's another one. It is widely held, or it is a widely held belief that Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer, first added lighted candles to a tree. Walking uh, toward his house one winter evening, composing a sermon, he was awed by the brilliance of stars twinkling amidst the evergreens. Evergreens. To recapture the scene for his family, he erected a tree in the main room, wired its branches with lighted candles. So uh, there you go. There's the the tradition for Christmas trees, obviously a German tradition. Uh, you have one, evergreens, being all, all going all the way back to ancient Egyptian culture, Ra, the sun god, when days became shorter, before winter solstice, they started decorating with evergreens to remind themselves that one day the tide would turn and things would, would grow again. And then the actual Christmas tree, people are attributing lighting that Christmas tree uh, to Martin Luther. So you have pagan Egypt, you have Martin Luther, the reformer, right, who nailed the 95 theses to the the door of the Catholic Church. Um, One, right, they were not believers. One was a believer. Uh, You have the gamut here. Uh, The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree dates back to the Depression era. The tallest tree displayed at Rockefeller Center, arrived in 1948. It was a Norway spruce that measured 100 feet tall and was hailed from Killingsworth, Connecticut. Interesting, right? Uh, The first tree at Rockefeller Center was placed in 1931, uh, and it was a small, unadorned tree placed by construction workers at the center of the construction site. Two years later, another tree was placed there, this time with lights. Uh, So uh, these days, the Rockefeller Center tree is laden with... How many Christmas lights? Let's get a, uh, on this side, who's got a guess? How many Christmas lights are on the Rockefeller tree? 22,000. 5,000. At 22, we got five. Anybody else? 
200 lights or 200,000? Steve Rogers says 200,000. <laughs> what do we got? 21,000. 21, that sounds like a price is right thing. One dollar. <laughs> Anybody else? Haley? One million. I wish. I wish. 3,000. It has 25,000 Christmas lights on the Rockefeller tree. So Josh is like, and I win. I'm surprised. If he didn't come running down here, I would have been shocked. I would have been shocked. Great job, Josh. Good job. <coughs> so anyway, those are some of our traditions. Uh, evergreens coming from Egypt. Uh, Christmas trees coming in hot from Germany, from Martin Luther, uh, working their way down from PA, right? Uh, where a lot of those uh, German settlers uh, landed. So, uh, look, there's the gamut of decorations and uh, fake versus real. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, we all have our own, uh, you know, different styles and things that we decorate for. But I was thinking about this Christmas trees and decorations and Christmas decor, and I thought about what about decorations in the Bible? Were there other things that they decorated for? And so I just kind of went on that little journey, that little tangent, and I came up with a few things. So here's the first thing uh, that I think about when it comes to decorations in the Bible. Number one, uh, Passover, uh, thinking about Passover. And, and what's interesting about this and, and the way the message kind of weaves is uh, we date back evergreens and, and the use of evergreens to where? To Egypt. Well, what happened in Egypt? Right? When you, when you think about that, it's interesting, right? We have the Exodus story, which uh, I'm like 99.9% .9 sure that uh, after our fast uh, from the first of the year, we're, we're going to uh, launch into a study in the book of Exodus. I'm pretty excited about it. But um, if you think about this, right? So evergreens coming from that Egyptian culture, well, that's where we have the story of the Passover. And so the Passover, if Egypt is decorating for the sun god, uh, and Ra has a cold, right? And then he is going to get better after winter solstice, uh, and things begin to turn, the weather begins to turn. What did the Lord ask the children of Israel? How did he ask them to decorate um, for Passover? And after the plagues, when you consider like what happened, right? Uh, it was horrible, right? All of those plagues in Egypt, and then the final and the worst plague uh, was the firstborn son. So, um, you know, the Lord told Pharaoh through Moses, let my people go. Uh, and the children of Israel, they're in bondage, uh, in slavery, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, you know the story. Um, and if you don't, no, no big deal. But um, finally, after the, the last plague, Pharaoh doesn't let them go. And uh, the death angel comes through. And that night, Pharaoh's firstborn son dies. And so that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And they let the children of Israel go. And then eventually they chase them. Uh, and, you know, Moses parts the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army goes uh, chasing after them. And then the Red Sea collapses around them. But uh, the decorations during Passover were this. Um, decorating the, the doorposts, right? So it was a sign to Yahweh that the members of the household were in alignment with the God of Israel. This sign saved lives. Um, there's an excerpt here from Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. The Passover was of supreme theological significance for the Israelites. Since it is marked by one of the most monumentous acts uh, of divine intervention in their history, the beginning of their deliverance from the bondage in Egypt, when the final plague, God destroyed the firstborn 
uh, of the Egyptians, but spared those Israelites whose homes had blood smeared on the doorposts. God commanded that the day was to be observed as a memorial feast, and the next Passover celebration occurred in the Sinai Desert. In the Hebrew calendar, the Passover festival came in the first month, called Abib in Deuteronomy, but known after the exile as Nisan. The Passover rite took place the 14th evening and was followed by a seven-day period during which nothing leaven was to be eaten. So uh, we find here my first thinking or recollection of decorations in the Bible was for Passover, and it was to decorate the doorposts with the blood of a lamb that was killed. Um, that would be pretty creepy, decorating with the blood of a lamb for some holiday, wouldn't it? I mean, for us, I mean, we're like hanging Christmas lights, and can you imagine if your neighbor stepped out and was like, all right, <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> somebody call the cops, you know what I'm saying? I'd be like, Jose, um, something strange is happening here. Um, be a little weird, right? Uh, but we find that, you know, decor, decorations, uh, they're, they're tied to a meaning, right? They're tied to something deeper. Um, and so for them, Passover was everything. Uh, and it began this, uh, this celebration, right? This, this thought about the Lord delivering and, and the Lord uh, going before them, if you will. Uh, what's, what's another illustration of decorations in the Bible? Here's the second one, the temple. The temple. We find here that Solomon's temple uh, was was a place, right? A physical location um, where Yahweh's presence uh, would dwell. And so when you think about, uh, we're just kind of walking through the story here, shooting from the hip. Um, but, you know, the children of Israel leave Egypt. The Lord provides for them. And they go into the, the wilderness, and many of them murmured and complained, right? They're like, this is ridiculous. We want to go back to Egypt where we had, you know, three hots and a cot, if you will, and they were in bondage and prisoners. Um, but they uh, continued, and in the wilderness, the Lord said, look, you need to put up a tent. And, and it was first called, like, the tabernacle, right? And so the tabernacle was a place that was to be erected for uh, the Lord's presence, and so as they were God's people, uh, think about it. It's, re it's really about the geographical location. In Egypt, it was the sun god. But we're going to leave that land, and we're going to go to another land, eventually the what? The promise land. Why? Because I will give you that land, and I will be the god of the promised land. And so God is teaching us a story about how we are exiled as his people but there's always a place of decoration. There's always a place, no matter where you are, for his presence to dwell. This is a narrative, right? This is a story that the Bible is teaching us. And so in the beginning, it was this tent, this tabernacle. And then eventually, when they reach their place and they're their own kingdom, uh, and what I would say should have been the first king of Israel, David, who ended up being the second king, because kings weren't supposed to come from the tribe of Benjamin, they're supposed to come from the tribe of what? Of Judah, which we would have learned a little something about that last week. Um, but they're supposed to come from the tribe of Judah. So the first king, who is the rightful king, the heir to the throne, anointed, Mashiach, right, Messiah, would have been King David. And David felt impressed of the Lord to prepare for a place for the Lord to have a, a permanent dwelling. And that was called the what? The temple. Now, the Lord told David, your hands are bloody. So uh, 
you cannot build my temple. You're a man of war, but you can make preparation. And so uh, I didn't know this, just even in, in studying and preparing for it, David actually had all of the material, the financing and everything prepared for Solomon. All Solomon had to do is execute the plan. Everything else was already laid in place. David, the man after God's, God's own heart, he said, I'm gonna be a part of this progression where we will not only go from <clears throat> not having our own land to then having our own land promised. The Lord's presence was with us the whole way, and yes, we'll decorate a tent if we have to, but then when we're able, when we have our own place, we're going to build a temple. And it's gonna be elaborate, and it's gonna be laden with gold. Let, let me read you a few verses. It says here in, in 2 Chronicles 3.14, he made the curtain of blue and purple, crimson yarn and fine linen, 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 fine lemons, <laughs> fine linen, and he wove cherubim into it. Baker's Encyclopedia says this, between the holy place and the holy of holies was a double door made of olive wood carved with cherubim, palm trees, and flower patterns overlaid with gold. I'm wondering why my wife is calling me. All right, <laughs> doesn't she know I'm preaching? I hope she's good. Um, uh, y'all pray for my dog. She's not doing well. I hope that that's not what it is. But um, anyway, we're gonna take her to the pet ER as soon as I'm done here. I gotta hurry. You ready? You listen fast, I'm gonna talk fast. Um, no, but seriously, pray for my dog. Okay, sorry for the call, accident. Whew. All right, we're doing good. <laughs> she hasn't eaten or drinking anything in like 24 hours. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, anyway, you all right there? I missed it. Oh, well. All right, so between the holy place and the holy of holies was a double door made of olive wood, carved with cherubim, palm trees, flower patterns overlaid with gold. Inside these doors, veiling still further of the holy of holies was a blue, purple, crimson curtain made with the finest fabrics and ornamented, right, that, that word stood out, uh, with cherubim. So we find that, in this progression, the temple that was built, it was decorated beautifully. It was this place where the Lord's presence would come and, and would dwell. And so you have this, I want you to see the, I want you to see the contrast, right? Even if it's the Lord's people and all they have is a tent, you're still gonna separate a place for me. Down to the fact that they're a nation and now they're wealthy and the Lord has provided and what do they have? They have the finest of gold. Was it the same God? Yeah, it was the same God. And whatever they had, look, it was worthy, and it was a part of that plan, and, and we want you to set it apart. So we have these decorations for uh, Passover, decorations for the temple, and, you know, fast forward a little bit to the New Testament, and the same temple language um, continues. And so look at this one. Here's the temple of the Pharisee's body, right? So the decorations of a Pharisee's body. Matthew 23, verse 29, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And Jesus was saying to them, look, here's the thing. You're only concerned with the outside and how you present your body. On the outside, you're beautiful, but really all you are is a, a pretty grave. Because on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You've actually only decorated a cemetery. 
because the substance of your faith or the substance of who you are is only skin deep. It doesn't go any further. And, and, and so this transition between I'm going to leave Egypt, I'm going to come out of this place, I'm going to leave the land of the other gods, and I will set apart a new land, a promised land, and you will travel with me. And so leaving there, they find their own land, their own place. They build themselves up as a nation, God's chosen people, and eventually they build a temple. But all of this is really just, it's just a picture. All of this is really just like Christmas, where, you know, it, it, we, we weren't there 2,000 years ago when Jesus came, but we celebrate it. We look back, we decorate, we put up ornaments, we put up trees, we give each other gifts. Why? Because this is a, <clears throat> a festival, a tradition, something that is carrying on that has a deeper, greater purpose. Places, locations change, but the meaning does not. And even in ornate fashion, God says it doesn't matter if it's a massive temple. How many have driven through D.C. and you see the Mormon temple when you're driving through? I mean, that, I mean, let's take up a love offering. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, how many? That would be awesome just to preach in there. I'd be like, okay, open up your Bibles. <laughs> does that? I wonder if that like person on the top, like if that trumpet actually works. I bet it does. The pastor's like probably, or the bishop or elder or whatever, he's probably got a button. You know, and only do it for special occasions, but he hits it and then the thing. You know what I'm talking about? That thing on the top of the Mormon temple, that thing probably like makes noise. That'd be so cool. And I'd be like, beep, beep. <laughs> I'd be hitting that thing all the time. But look, there's a wide variety of gamut. Look, in our building, like I'm so grateful and thankful for our church building. Some folks set up and tear down every week in a school and that's totally fine. You know, but like, this isn't the Mormon temple, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's not the Mormon temple. It is to me. But the scriptural narrative is we're going to leave the land of the gods. We're going to have a tent. Then we're going to have a temple. And it's going to be ornate and beautiful and laden with gold. Can you imagine those guys who carved the cherubims? I'll put the floor in it, you know what I'm saying? Like, that would have been cool. And then we reach this place where Jesus then tells the story and he's like, look guys, they're gonna tear this temple down and in three days it will be rebuilt. And he makes this transition to, do you understand that your nation, your history, your humble beginnings of slavery and then coming out of slavery to form a nation, to form a people was literally all to get me here. And if you understood me, and if you understood where I came from, you'd understand that I was seated at the right hand of my father, and it's beautiful there. And there's streets of gold, and there's mansions like you can't even comprehend. There's a garden there, and trees there, and water that flows out of the throne of God that looks like a crystal river. I want to send my boat down that crystal river when I get there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd be like, yes, Lord, turn up the wake. But Jesus said, you have to understand it's not about that. I, once decorated, once a member of the Godhead left that to put on human flesh, the decorations changed. He exchanged a throne room for a stable. 
He was the king seated on the right hand of the father and yet then born in a paschal stable where they would raise lambs to be slaughtered for the feast of Passover. Then to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why? Because he was the perfect sheep. They only wrapped those that were being prepared for the sacrifice. They wrapped those that that had no blemishes. They wrapped our Savior. Same Jesus, same God from the beginning who created the Garden of Eden and his abode here on earth. The scenery changed. The decorations changed, but God did not change. We see the temple, and then now the temple is who? It's us. And the Pharisee's temple, he says, you have decorated. He uses that word. You have decorated your temple once again like a grave. How ironic. How ironic. It was the grave. It was the blood of the lamb that we were decorating with that allowed them freedom. And yet they only, those that are celebrating in terms for themselves, they try to spruce it up. The meaning is there. It's a grave. There's something that died, but it wasn't the sacrifice. Hmm. The temple, a Pharisee's temple. Not unlike the rituals of old, where there were traditions that enacted or steeped in a show for something that lacked power, the Pharisee's primary purpose was maintaining a symbolic ritual rather than admitting to the ineffective nature of their religion and getting the help that they needed. Here's the last one, the last one that I see. Our temple, our temple. What's it look? What's it look like? How do you decorate your temple? Where do you shop? Do we wear Raven's gear? Come on, what do you think? Can Henley pull it out? Huntley, rather? Henley, I don't know where that came from. I think he can. That moment at the end zone last week where he like held it and hit him, touched down, I was like, that right there is enough to give me hope for a, a broken Lamar. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, <laughs> let's whip the Steelers. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, back to the, back to the message. <laughs> our temple, our decor, our decorations. Have we thought about this? And I know we're like, we started with Christmas lights and here we are. You know what I mean? Like this is, the, the, this is how my mind works. It's very strange. But we find here that in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Look, your body is the temple. Look, and here's, here's what I want to say to you. Like, follow the progression. Same God, right? Everybody say same God. Same God that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. The same God who said they're going to tear this temple down in three days and and then, you know, the Holy Ghost is going to revive it, rebuild it. Same God. And now, if you remember last week, we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Jesus Christ is our brother. Him born. Him, listen, wait. You got to get this truth. Him coming to earth as a human, as a baby, that's a transition. That advent brought about something different. That brought about the second Adam, the second chance. You know what Adam couldn't do? The second Adam, Jesus, will do. We have an example. He humbled himself as a servant. 
became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The path for that is us understanding what our bodies are. We're temples. Where God gave freedom and deliverance to the children of Israel in times of old and to other people groups through times of old, they left a place to become free. The truth makes what? Free. Why would we, as Christians, become free and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and then put ourselves right back in pharisaical bondage and pretend to decorate and be something that we're not on the inside. I think that's probably my biggest fear. It's like we create a church, we create a building, we create a a construct for people to come and, and play games. And the Lord said, Jesus said, look, you know, many will say, we've prophesied in your name and done many wondrous works, and he's gonna say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never what? Knew. The Lord isn't asking you to keep a list. He's not asking you to do a certain set of things. He's asking you to just have a relationship with him. He's asking you to actually be real and be present. We're missing the boat. We really are. In a day and age of everything being decorated and filtered, we're missing it. Comparison is killing us. The Pharisee that cannot give up the fact that he struggles with sin, has to tell everyone that he's perfect and the marriage, his, my marriage is amazing. Just ask my wife, you better not. We're, we're literally enslaved to our own narrative. But when we look at the narrative of scripture, it didn't matter to the Lord whether it was a doorpost in Egypt, a tent in the wilderness, a temple laden with gold, or his own Hebrew shell a son of a carpenter. He didn't care. He's the same God. We literally get hung up about decorations. We literally, like, there are people that are like, I'm not having a Christmas tree in my house. Stuff's pagan. Pagan. Maybe it is. I don't know. Look, let's talk decor, shall we? Let's talk decor. Let's talk about decorations. Let's talk about doing this thing Maybe the right way. Look at this. Look at this picture. I thought this was really cool. How many know what this is? Yeah, man. How many go every year? Oh my goodness! I'm here to just bring life back into Baltimore. What's wrong with you people? Anybody going? Hey, I'm going down there. Oh, you go down there. We have. I have my favorite Stanley thermos. Every year, I fill that junk up all the way, way too high. Why I do it, I don't know. I don't know. I know every year I'm going to get down there and spill it everywhere because there's too much in it, but I'm going to fill it up way too high this year again. And I get down, and and we open up the thing, and I'm yelling at the kids, you're going to have fun. Look at the Christmas lights while I'm passing it out, and the one of them stepping out, and I throw the hot chocolate on them. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to burn your other hand if you don't shut up. Oh, every year we fight the traffic, the crowds. I burn my kids with hot chocolate. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. CPS is at my door right now. Take my dog to the ER, will you? Okay, thanks. Make yourself useful. No, but uh, anyway, this thing of like 34th Street, I love it. I think it's great. You know, the traditions that we, that we go to. And more of you need to partake. How many, like, 
How many have been to the um, Golden West Cafe? Man, do you, people just stay in Middle River? Is that what's happening? Oh my goodness gracious. My wife, when we moved here, uh, you know, she's from Albuquerque, and in Albuquerque, they cook with hatched green chili. They roast it. And there's, one, there's a restaurant in Baltimore, and the chef knows what hatched green chili is, and he, he gets it from New Mexico every year. And so it's a restaurant that you can go to in Hamden that you can get a green chili cheeseburger. And anyway, so live a little, folks, okay? All right, get out. They have a window that they put in, and it's a taco window. You can go up to the window and get tacos. I enjoy that. Uh, so, yeah, 34th Street. Go look at the Christmas lights and then go up to 36th Street, get something good to eat, enjoy yourself. But look, everybody has a different style. If you, if you visit this street, you're going to see a hubcap Christmas tree. Like, it's super awesome. And you've probably, how many have seen pictures of that? Right? There's going to be the Natty Bow House. Uh, and you can't look at the Natty Bow House unless you're standing there drinking a Natty Bow, looking at their Natty Bow House. But <laughs> Kyle's like, yeah. uh, that's the second trip without the kids, right? The second trip without the kids. But, um, you know, it's, it's straight Baltimore. It's un- unbelievable and it's fun. I love it. But every, everybody is unique in this. And listen, here's, and obviously you're, you're perceiving what I'm doing here. We're trying to make a connection here with the fact that we all decorate in some way, shape, or form. We all make ourselves look one way or another. We all have our, you know, our styles. And, and I just really, I have two words for you today. That's it. And then we're going to go home. But when we think about how we decorate our temples and how we portray ourselves, just like the one neighbor, like, and there's one guy in particular that I'm thinking about. The dude's rude. You know, he could be walking to the mailbox. And I make a point to now, because I know he doesn't talk to people. I'm like, hi, how are you? <laughs> because he, he literally, he just like this. And um, one, one night, my kids, not my kids, right? Not my kids. They left a scooter out on the sidewalk. And I finally figured out that the man who never talks to anybody actually speaks <laughs> because he tripped on the scooter on his way to the mailbox. <laughs> so he comes up the drive, up, up driveway, comes up my uh, steps and bangs on my door. Do you know, like, your kids? And I'm like, Sir, I just want you to know I love you. What's your name? Would you like to come in? <laughs> you know, and he's like, no. I'm like, is there anything I can do for you? Put your kid's stuff away. Got it. It'll never be out again. <laughs> Won't happen again. I'm like, man, the guy talks. Anyway. Uh, so, but now when I see him walking, like, because I'm not, I'm not that guy who's going to be like mad or whatever, but maybe a little patronizing. <laughs> but I'm like, hi. Good to see you. Love you. Can I get your mail for you? You know, and he's just like, oh my goodness. I bet he never comes to my door again. How much you want to bet? But the funny thing is, guess whose house is right next to the mailboxes? He has to come by my house every day. So what I do notice is that he like stops by in his car now. He thinks I haven't noticed. I see you if you watch our messages. And he gets out of his car and he checks it and he gets back in and drives around. You know what I mean? One of these days, I'm going to, like, time it, and I'm going to jump out of the mailbox and say, hi! Just want you to know, nobody's left a scooter out. Here's some hot cocoa. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, but look, everybody is, he, guess how many decorations for Christmas he has on his house? Right. <laughs> and it's okay. I'm praying for him, pray for him every day. And I hope that he comes to know the Lord. But... <laughs> 
Maybe he knows the Lord, his own version of it. But it, it, it's like this, like everybody on your street, like you know, it's like they're not in the Christmas spirit. Don't go there, you know. <laughs> we, my, my father-in-law, of course, one more story, sorry. <laughs> my father-in-law, he's like, they're living in my basement, probably eternally, you know how that is, right? They came and never left, but <laughs> it's kind of fun. We have a good time. <laughs> We're having fun. But he's like ordering things, right? And he orders it with the wrong address. <laughs> so then I'm like getting a text, hey, can you get my package from this address? <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm like walking down to the neighbor's house and it's like the exact opposite of the other guy, right? It's like decorations everywhere. I'm like, hi, I'm so sorry. You know, my father-in-law doesn't know my address yet. He's lived here six months. You know what I mean? And she's, it's okay. Come on in. You know, uh, I don't know if it's here yet because look at all these presents. <laughs> and we're like digging through like all the Amazon packages. You know, I love Christmas. You know, it's like the polarizing neighbors. You have some that are like way over here and some that are way over here. Everybody's in a different place. But this isn't about them. It's about us. Where are you? how are you portraying the greatest story ever told? And this, is, this goes beyond how many Christmas lights you have. And I think that there's a little bit of that, right? There's a little bit of, you could do a little better. We could decorate. We could get in the, in the season. But I think some of us make excuses. Some of us decide that because evergreens have pagan roots, we're not going to use them at all, right? And I mean, there, there are whole... Uh, I think the Jehovah Witness, they don't use Christmas trees at all, I think. I might, I might be wrong on that. Different religions, different things, whatever. But this isn't about them. It's about us. Do we, like, are we intentional with our choices? Are we intentional that, look, it's not really about the thing. It's the God of the thing. I have two words for you. Number one, the word is, is Real. Real. When I think of decorations, I think of real. I can't have a real Christmas tree in my house or else I have to take like four Benadryl. You know what I mean? Like the allergies, it's just not really in, in the cards for me. But it's not really about real and fake ornaments. It's about you. The Pharisees are fake. The same word, they're decorating, but they're just decorating something that's dead. They're decorating a grave. We're supposed to be decorating a temple. The temple has the Holy Spirit on the inside. The temple, whether it was a tent or a physical gold location or Jesus' body when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down and it was clear that his body, what? Indwelled it. Are you just a shell or is there something on the inside? If we're not careful in the realm of social media, if we're not careful, it becomes all about the external factors. Did they like it? Did they heart it? How does this look compared to everybody else? Or am I present and on site because I know that there's something real happening on the inside, that it's my responsibility to steward what, what comes out? I'm not really concerned about all the other pastors. I mean, if the Lord chooses to give someone a celebrity platform, I pray for them. You know what I mean? But like, that's God's choice. Whether you have a tent in the wilderness or a golden palace, 
It's the same Yahweh. It's the same Holy Ghost. And what I'm concerned about is does my neighbor know me? When he comes up my stairs to yell at me about the scooter, was I kind? Was I like, I'm sorry. You know, like, if it'll never happen again. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm not there to get angry. Why? Because I know I'm a temple. And I want to be real according to the one who's on the inside, not fake, projecting something that's actually broken on the inside. Pharisee, or are you a temple? First Corinthians, what's it say? First Corinthians, I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit. First Corinthians, uh, um, I think it's in there somewhere. 619, sorry, did I already read that? I already read it. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Matthew 5, 16. Here's what I want to say this. Decorate with your why. Decorate. You can throw that one up there. Decorate with your why. Look at this. Matthew 5, 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your what? Good works and give glory to you because you're amazing. Oh, no. And give glory to your, isn't that funny how that works? You know, the person who gets the glory from the good stuff that you do, it really, it, it really reveals whether you're real or not. You know, it's like Jesus said this to the Pharisee, you have received your reward. What was that all about? Well, he was fasting and he told everybody that he was fasting. And I know that there are some fasts that we do together. Not every fast is one that's private. But the point that Jesus was making is that everything you're doing is what? Public. And when people acknowledge what you're doing, that is your reward. Your reward is that you feel good. You got a dopamine hit because someone said, hey, that a boy. But Jesus said, let your light shine that they may give glory to your Father who's in heaven. How we, listen, how we project and receive the praise of men is either gonna be to your detriment or to his praise. The decorations, they matter. What you're projecting, let your light shine. But do it in such a way that the Lord gets the glory. You know, I, I think too, there's like a, there's an element. Here's, here's what I wrote. For being real, for being real, the push should be for authenticity. The plan should dictate for accountability and transparency. Many that say, well, I'm real. I'm real. I mean, I'm the realist. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I do is, is with pure intention. Okay, that's great. You know, and, and, and I've pastored for a little while now. I've been in ministry since 2009. Is that right? was in ministry long before that. That's when I graduated Bible college. But, you know, like physically going and working for a church in 2009. But you see a lot of people come and go. You really do. Come and go. And most of the time, like when folks, like when folks are the loudest about being real, and then they have to go do it by themselves. Like they... They can't get along and play nice with other people. And everything that they're doing, it takes like autonomy. 
red flag. Red flag. You know, it's not easy being real and authentic in a group of people. It's not. When we're around each other, sometimes we're fake. Sometimes we project. Sometimes we fake it till we make it. But ultimately, watch this, when you stay in the group, it's gonna come full circle. You're gonna reach a point, if you're in the fellowship, where you're gonna have to come clean, where you're gonna have to be accountable, where you're gonna have to be transparent, or else, watch this, you leave. People who stay walk through those processes. They go, this is hard, this is painful, I don't want to confront that person. Stay with me. I, I don't want to have the conflict, but sometimes the conflict is good. Maybe you need to say what's on your mind so that they can actually tell you what the Lord has for you to hear. But people who leave and say, oh, the Lord is working on me and I have a job and something from the Lord. Let me just help you. The church was the Lord's plan. Us together, doing life is not easy, and this is where we work it out. It ain't a one-man show. It ain't a one-woman show. It's not a, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. It's we bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's being real. Not, I got close, and that's really the point of these groups too, right, if you think about it. It gives you the opportunity to actually circles are better than rows. You can come here and then you can leave. Come here, and then, right? But when you're in a circle and you like hear someone, oh, you voted for them. <laughs> Great. Where's the door? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you, you're challenged and you're like, am I gonna love this person? Am I gonna still do life with them even though they're different than me? Ah, Real. What does that mean? It means this. this is, I mean, this is just what the Lord's doing in my heart. Y'all okay with that? It's a push to be authentic. What does that mean? Being accountable and transparent. I'm the realest person you'll ever meet. Tell me about your struggle. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I have the best marriage ever. It's so good. Hurry, babe, let's go home so I can yell at you. <laughs> it's really not that good. Look, I'd rather someone be real than someone be right. It's just me. When we're talking about decorations, I just couldn't help but think about this. I was like, man, we're all decorating something. But when the lights fade, look, when you're challenged this week, talk to somebody. Don't do it alone. Be transparent with someone else. Let your light so shine. Remember, this is the generation, this is the culture of Philippians 4.13, not Philippians 4.12. Paul says, I know how to be hungry and to be full. I know how to be poor and how to be rich. Why don't we wanna tell people when we're poor and when we're hungry? Because it's not popular but maybe somebody needs to hear you say, hey, guess what, I'm poor and I'm still happy. <laughs> guess what, I'm hungry and it's okay. The Lord's teaching me a lot of good things from my hunger right now. Not to mention I've lost five pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
there's always good things through suffering. Why don't we let each other suffer? Why don't we let each other go through hard times and still be friends and still be okay with it? Not to mention helping each other. That's another thing. But we're so worried to say that because, well, I don't want them to think I'm poor mouthing or I don't want them to think, you know what I mean? Like, we gotta get past. We have to get past the pride in these things. We need to be able to be who the Lord wants us to be. Number one, real. Number two, reasoned. Reasoned. What do I mean by that? Okay. Remember I mentioned like, I'm not having a Christmas tree because a pagan person had a Christmas tree and therefore I'm not doing anything else, right? Like there are things in this world that pagan people use. They also use buildings. So what are we not gonna have a building? You know what I mean? And, and this is a challenge, right? I read, this, uh, I read this article this week about, what time is it? Oh, yes, we're doing okay. We're having fun, sorry. <laughs> One too many stories today, Matt. Um, I read this article this week about, um, it's uh, American Girl Doll. And it was a magazine, I was talking, was I talking to you about this yesterday? But it was like, for little girls, hey, if you don't like what you're seeing as you're getting older, just talk to a doctor, you know, and, and your doctor can give you medicine to change that. In an American Girl Doll magazine. And I'm just like, holy cow. You know what I mean? Like, this is some of the movies, some of the culture, right? Like, what are we going to do? Like, we're either going to, like, move to Wyoming. You know what I mean? Like, anybody in? <laughs> Like, we're either going to move to Wyoming and just, like, buy a property, and then we're, then we're going to be a cult. <laughs> That's what we're going to be. Let's make a big fence and barbed wire, and we're never going to let them in. Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay. And then pass the Kool-Aid out. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to drive ourselves crazy trying to have everything a certain way, trying to control. But if we look back over the narrative, over the story, Slavery out of Egypt, tabernacle, tent versus temple. Temple being what? Destroyed. Suffering after suffering after suffering. Paul, the person who wrote your bodies of the temple, guess what? He was killed. My man, John the Baptist, was wearing camel skins. His ministry looked totally different, eating wild honey in the wilderness. Can we imagine if John the Baptist was with us today? How awesome that would be. <laughs> I'd be like, here's the mic. Give it to us. But my, my point is, is that John's ministry looked totally different than Paul's. Paul, Paul probably looked just like a Sanhedrin, looked like a religious ruler. Where in Paul's writing is he talking about his clothes and how he dressed different? Somebody tell me. Is it anywhere in there? No. It didn't matter to Paul. You've got eccentric people way out here who didn't want a house. And then you have people over here that were actually really wealthy, Lydia, and contributed to the gospel. There's variety. But what they had in common is they were real. And then number two, they were reasoned. The gospel was the center point. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel proclamation, is where they started. They didn't say, well, that over there is a pagan thing, and so we're going to avoid it. It was like, what did Jesus think about that? Well, Jesus knew that he created every tree, so it didn't matter what the pagans did. Jesus was okay. I heard a pastor say this week, Jesus didn't go hang out with sinners. Sinners came and hung out with who? With him. We forget that. We, we 
can't boycott everything. We're living in a generation where things are going to get weird, okay? Can we not see that? It's weird. It's strange. And no, my, my girl's not going to read that book. But I didn't go upstairs and say, all right, sweetheart, let me see. Give me a match. We're going to burn all your dolls right here, right now. Throw them all in there. Let's go. We're having a bonfire. Burn them all. We have to be reasoned. Now, listen to me, more than ever. Just because they don't have your political affiliation, let me help you with something. You might not understand their perspective. If anybody believes that, oh my goodness, they're going to hell. Hell. I just can't imagine how they would get there. Here's what I've understood and learned. When I actually listen to another Christian that has a different perspective, I didn't quite understand the full, their reasoning. Because they were coming from a different place. But when I stopped and I was like, okay, do I still agree? No. But can we have a conversation about it? Yeah. Instead of, they ain't coming over to my house, erect the fence, sweetheart, we're finishing the wall. (laughs) You know what I mean, right? We have got to be smarter than this. The devil is so good at what he does. He knows that he can get us all bickering and fighting, or, watch this, or he can get our church looking identical, where we're all the same, and there's nobody in here that are different than anybody else. We have to reason We have to stop and think to ourselves, okay, all right, how am I portraying myself? Am I portraying myself from a perspective that is gospel-centered? Okay, let me help you. If I lost a loved one tomorrow, if someone died, would I be angry with God? Or would I be thankful to God that Jesus died as well and that he prepared a way, a home for that person that already passed on and left me back here? That's a gospel-centered perspective to death. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul said, we don't sorrow as those with no hope. We still sorrow, but we have hope. Why? Because I'm not going to blame God for taking that person when the same God is the one who took his only son. That's a gospel-centered perspective. I'm not going to be angry at the way the world does Christmas. I'm going to take the pieces that I can and say, this is how I do Christmas. Why? Because I believe in Jesus and he came and he was a baby. He put on flesh like you and me. He did this whole thing. He could have stayed up in his comfortable abode, his eternal location, but he loved you and he loved me. So he chose to put on human flesh like we put on a robe and endure all of the things, all of the things. So therefore now I can endure all of the things. You know, life isn't that bad. When it's horrible, it's really not that bad. It's an opportunity to let your light shine. What is that? That's being reasoned. Can we just flush the, the social media perspective down the toilet? Can we just not care about that? And can we look up and look around and be like, there is someone in my life right now that needs to see me react the right way. You have a friend. Hey, some, some of you, you have a friend right now that's waiting to see how you respond. And if you're able to do it in love, guess what? Let your light so shine. I don't care if it's a blood, blood on a doorpost in Egypt, a tent in the wilderness, a temple plated with gold, or it's just hopefully you brushed your teeth today and that was the polish that the temple got. Hopefully. 
church, we got to think about this thing, being real and being reasoned. That's your decorating tutorial for the week. All right. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.